into the contest. It's Tuesday the 27th of September. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, I uh, saw that your latest lunch with Lee has been released, the one with Robbie Farah and the two comedians... Uh, the one that you pitched as two and a half legs, of course, because <laughs> Robbie's of Lebanese heritage. Rob Shahidi is of Lebanese heritage, and Tahir is of Turkish heritage. Mate, it was a it was a fantastic podcast. It was hilarious. Uh, Tahir mm. and Rob are both very funny. Uh, Robbie Farah has got a very good sense of humour as well, and um, yeah. we spoke a lot about him going over coaching the Lebanese uh, rugby league team. And um, yeah, we had a good laugh, mate. A nice lunch at the Oaks Hotel. Yeah, he's a clever boy too, Robbie. Yeah. I look forward to that. And of course, uh, you have your live lunch with Lee, which is only a few weeks away, and that'll be a cracking day. Yeah, down at King Street Wharf in Sydney. It's um, a great venue down there. Um, go online, check it out. There's a few tickets left, not many. Um, but as I mentioned yesterday, Kieran um, Gribben, the former lead singer of In Excess, will be coming along to sing a song. Mm. Richard Cheekway, Gav Robertson, and uh, and the very funny Lenny Pascoe. So that should be good fun as well. Yeah, sounds like an absolute beauty to me. All right, we've got a big show on the way. The the rise and rise of young Green. But it wasn't enough for the Australian cricket team. Roger Federer, he wants to stay close to tennis. And how good were the Opals? I watched this nail-biter. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. All right, Chano, looking at uh, the cricket first up, and Cameron Green, well, he's he's a giant of a man, and he, he really is growing into a giant of a cricketer. In this latest T20, he's he's bashed a record half-century, but it wasn't enough to, to beat the Indians. No, well, uh, a three-match uh, T20 series against India in India, and we won the first match. Well, we lost the series 2-1 in the end. But, yeah, Cam Green um, opened the batting for the first time, um, mm. ends up with 51 off 21 balls, but got his 50 off only 19 balls. So that's the fastest T20 50 for Australia. Um uh, helped him along was Tim David, who's come in. Tim David hasn't played much for Australia at all because he's just been playing these satellite tournaments, but comes into the team. He scored a very good 54 of 27. But then we just fell away. Finch scoring only seven runs. Um, Green was the best of the bowlers too. Didn't take a wicket, but bowled three overs for only 14 runs. In India, is a really good effort. and But we're probably let down too. Cummins and Hazelwood, our two most experienced bowlers, they bowled eight overs between them and only took one for 80. So, uh, yeah, India win the series there, but Cam Green's um, stocks go up and he's going to earn a lot of money come the IPL auction next year. A lot of great players have have come unstuck in India, haven't they, when you think about those bowling figures. I think of some of the greats of Australian cricket that in those conditions, in blisteringly hot conditions and the way the, the wickets are in India, it's it's difficult sometimes. It's really difficult. And uh, look, Aaron Finch, he just cannot get a run in a stocking, can he? No, he can't. He, he got a couple of sort of half scores in the first two games. Mm. Then he got a 34 and, a, and it might have been a 28 or something. Um, got a little bit of form just back. Not, just not enough to convince you, is no, it? No, not enough to convince you. But you're right, Timmy. I, I remember bowling the subcontinent. I bowled three mm. overs, none for 23 against Sachin Tendulkar. Didn't, didn't play for two years after that. <laughs> <laughs> Sachin. 
Oh, it's amazing the crowd when he was batting and having covered a lot of that that era over there, and the roar, the roar was unbelievable. And when he got out, you could not mm. hear a thing. Just extraordinary. Forty odd, fifty five, whatever the crowds were, thousands of people. Mm. And just no noise at all. Now, a guy that obviously created a lot of noise in the stands, he was very cool, calm, like the Swiss watch on the court, Roger (laughs) Federer. He says that he will continue to be in and around tennis. I suppose when you've been this attached and such a champion, uh, it'd be very hard to walk away from it completely, wouldn't it? Yeah, and he's assured fans and and, um, the people around him that he won't be a ghost and won't just disappear off Mm. into the ether. Um, and wants to be involved. He's not quite sure what that involvement will be, um, but I can see him definitely coaching uh, potentially other players in the future. He'd be a fantastic coach. I think the most amazing thing about Roger Federer is that when he was a teenager, he had real um, anger issues. He had a really bad temper. And for those who ever watched him play tennis, you would never consider that being even the case where he was just so cool, calm and collected in the most high-pressure moments. Uh, he would make yeah. a fantastic coach. Oh, absolutely, wouldn't he, What? Mm. And uh, you'd think that he'd be a pretty decent commentator yeah. as well, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, cool. Uh, look, someone that uh, didn't keep their temper in check or, or – he does lose concentration in big matches. Alexander Bublik, the Kazakhstani tennis player, and he's he's got some boos in the crowd, hasn't he, in this latest tournament against Lorenzo Sanigo. It was a, a final of an ATP tournament, and he had this opportunity just to smash the ball. And, look, you're a pretty decent tennis player. You'd never do this. He grabbed the racket halfway down and botched the shot and botched the match in the end. Yeah, he, it was a bit uh, Nick Curious-like. He he turned the racket upside mm. down, so he was holding it by the strings and tried to use the handle and sort of mishit it, and the guy just put him away. It was a, it was a key point, a total, yeah. bra- a total brain explosion. Yeah, and he laughed as well. <laughs> yeah. Strange. yeah Strange. Adam Scott says he's got unfinished business. Oh, look, I don't know, uh, with respect to Adam Scott, who's an amazing golfer and won the Masters, I don't know whether the Live Tool has been knocking his door down either, but... He's come out and said that he has unfinished business. He wants to get another major. Uh, that's why he's sticking with the PGA. He's just about to play in this President's Cup team that has been diminished hugely by some of these other players not being there. Yeah, but I, I didn't mind the tone that Adam Scott used here. He, he wasn't bagging the LIV like a lot of guys have. Yeah. Um, he's just saying for him right now, and he sort of admitted, he said, look, the, the offers haven't been forthcoming, but he said for him right now, he has one Masters win back in 2013, and at 42, he feels like he's got unfinished business. Mm. He wants to win more majors and more PGA tournaments, and he wants to play in more President's Cup. So so good on him um, But right now. But yeah, I, I like the fact that he wasn't bagging the LIV. He was just saying for him, personally, it's the right decision. So, yeah, well said. It's been great watching the, the World Cup basketball on ESPN. Yeah. We were all around the TV last night, and the kids were yelling up and down. Uh, a great match uh, versus Canada. They went down by quite a bit, then roared their way back into the game, this Australian team, this Australian Opals, uh, fantastic win. Fantastic win, uh, winning 75-72, to 72, as you said, over Canada, which is um, no mean feat. That guarantees them an eighth spot um, uh, in the quarterfinals. Um, they play, the next game they play against Japan, it's and tonight, it's a bit of a yeah, must win, tonight, I think, yeah, yeah, bit of a must win. Um, otherwise, uh, if they win this, then they will avoid playing the USA. And the USA have just come off a record-breaking win against South Korea. They won 145-69. Totally demolished the South Koreans. Um, so it'd be good to win Japan and hopefully get the USA later in the tournament, not 
um, first up in the quarters. Yeah, absolutely. They look they look very, very hard to beat. But well done to the Opals and all the best against Japan tonight. Stay with us. We've got all the footy on the way. Jordan Dugowie says no to a big offer. And what about this trainer, this Penrith trainer? If he said yeah. what he said against the South player, boy, oh boy, he's in trouble. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. As a coach or leader, building organizational resilience into a team or business is paramount to success. The Building Resilience podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience podcast on your favorite podcast app. Jordan Dugowie has rejected a $4 million offer over five years. There's clause after clause, and you can imagine if you were part of the Collingwood management, you'd feel that you had to do that with him because he's uh, he stepped in the mud a few times, Shane. He has, uh, and it goes back just to mid-season this season mm. uh, where he was off in Bali and he had that bit of a, a blowout. Um, he's been offered, as you said, Tim, a five-year deal worth around $4 million, but there are so many behavioural clauses in this um, which would mean potentially that two years into the agreement, Collingwood could just walk away from the deal based on some really um, unclarified clauses. Um, so he wants some clarity around those and what that means. And look, I think the second half of his season was was, was triumphant. He played so well, yeah. got Collingwood almost to a grand final um, and kept things in check. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of argy-bargy between both of them. I think they'll come to an arrangement because... You know, Jordan Dugowie is, is a key member of that Collingwood team going forward. Oh, yeah, he showed what he could do, yeah. didn't he? He yeah. really looked in the mirror and decided he will go in the right direction. Now, I think that he needs to have a, a bigger look at the next five years and what that looks like mm. um, to make sure that he, he does live up to this potential that he's got. He could be one of the... He's never going to be perfect, but is he, Tim? Yeah. He's never going to be perfect no, no. the field. He's just that sort of character. And uh, But I think he needs to work within some... some uh, uh, Parameters. Yeah, set himself some guidelines, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, look, you alluded to this yesterday, and uh, it looks like it's uh, almost a fait accompli that we have seen the last of the afternoon AFL grand finals. It's long been a thing in sport that you want to have your events, if you're a TV person or if you're in TV management, you want to have the events at night time because that is prime time. That is where you're going to get the large numbers of people watching. Uh, it was beautiful weather uh, in many parts of the country on Saturday. It was a crappy game and you had an outer Melbourne team, so the ratings were crap. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to go to night time from next year on. Oh, definitely, mate. Uh, when you know, Channel 7 are paid, or Channel 7 and Fox are paid, uh, in excess of a billion dollars for these TV rights deal. They want to get a big bang for their buck. The Jewel in the Crown is the grand final. Um, and it was a million, million people down uh, in Metro, uh, people watching the actual grand final. Mm. That's a big, big number. That, that, that is, that's in the hundreds of millions of dollars um, for, for the network. So it will be going to night time from here on in. Yeah, very hard to continue to incentivise yeah. your advertisers because uh, yeah, that's a million people who aren't seeing uh, what you're trying to spruik. Now, mm. this is a disturbing this story, this one, isn't it, in the rugby league? Uh, Panthers 
legend John Cartwright, of course, one of the most famous names in Penrith Rugby League, and his father, Merv, that's the, the player of the year, gets the Merv Cartwright medal. Mm. Now, if all these allegations are true, basically Jed Cartwright, his son, played for South Sydney on the weekend, and he was formerly at Penrith, and what is being accused here is that the Penrith physio has been verbaling Jed Cartwright, and it's upset him, upset other players, and that's what Cody was responding yeah. to, Cody Walker. Uh, and look, Johnny, and I know John well, he's, he's jumped off the top rope, and I get, I get it. Look, if this is true, this guy should be banned. Yep, and so it's his name is Pete Green, is the, the physio, mm. and, and once again, these are uh, um, comments allegedly, and um, he's sort of saying that his back was no good and having a go at him. Now, his old man, John's come up and said, it's absolute, this guy's in a privileged position out there on the paddock. He yeah. should not be saying anything at all. He says, okay, if the opposition says, says something to you, because you can tackle him back, you can smash him back, but mm. this guy you can't tackle. Yeah. And if, if it is true, and I, I dare say potentially it might be, because the referee was in there, um, and you see the way that Cody Walker uh, responded, this guy could miss um, being part of that Penrith team for the grand final and potentially uh, may, may lose his position altogether in the NRL. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll watch that space. And mm. uh, now yeah. this, this story's a good one too. Floyd Maidweather and Conor McGregor. It looks like a rematch. I even made a song of, about the last one. My boys, absolutely. There's only one <laughs> Conor McGregor and there's no fight a better. And he's going <laughs> to knock out Floyd Maidweather. Yeah, this, this is going to make him a lot of money. Mate, they're talking upwards of a billion dollars uh, for this rematch. Now, it will be, I'm assuming, an exhibition match because uh, Mayweather's record is 50 and zero, so he wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to tarnish that. Mm. But how, like May, Mayweather, had, the last fight was in 2017, I think, so um, it's going back a bit. So, yeah, to be offered a billion dollars, that's a big number. Another guy that a lot of the boys love is John Cena, the world wrestling champion. Mm. And this is a real nice side to him. He's gone into acting, actually. He's done all sorts of things, John Cena. Uh, but he's broken a, a record for Australia's Make-A-Wish Foundation. This is a fantastic charity that grants wishes to gravely ill children. And John Cena's put his hand up a lot. Well, not a lot. 650 times. It's ridiculous. Um, what, 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 a, what a man. What, what an unbelievable thing to do for 650 kids that um, have you know, t a terminal um, condition. And um, look, I, I, was, uh, I went out to the oncology ward a couple of times. I remember one time I went with Mark War, and, and it's very, very confronting. You do it because these kids are so sick. And I remember this young girl said to Mark War, and it's still hard to talk about this, she said, he's asked her how she was going. She said, well, not good because I'm going to die. Mm. And Mark Wall was so good. Like I was just—I didn't know what to say. I was sort of up, upset myself from her, hearing those words. And he just told her to take it one day at a time. And you know, that's all you do is look forward to and be positive. He was so good. The fact that John Cena is doing this six hundred fifty times—he's a superstar, mate. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Now, looking at um, a change of pace and an American football, we've been talking quite a bit about Australian punters recently, um, but. The big guys, like Jordan Mailata, we've heard about him, and he's, he's off to a good start over there. And what about Daniel Fa'alihi, uh, the Aussie? He's 170-odd kilos for the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens, and Lamar Jackson has given him a huge rap. Look, he had a stuttering start, but uh, he's starting to get some headlines, big Daniel. 
He is. Well, the quarterback, Lamar Jackson, is uh, singing his praises. And mm. uh, Fahalehi, he as you said, he's 174 kegs, 203 centimetres tall. He's on a $108 million contract, rookie contract. Um, but due to injury, he had to play the position left tackle. And left tackle's role is purely to protect the quarterback. And he did a fantastic job as a rookie. He never played that position. And Lamar Jackson, who is a superstar quarterback, singing his praises now, and uh, it can only mean better things and bigger things for Daniel Fahalei in the future. Yeah, I saw one quote from someone who goes, yeah, big Daniel, he's blocking out the sun. And <laughs> <laughs> Now, wrapping it up today, mate, there's uh, some cities that, you know, their sporting crowds can be slightly parochial. You've, <laughs> you've got a yarn on that today. I have, mate. And uh, in, in Western Australia, we all know that um, they're a pretty parochial crowd, and uh, – I remember playing over there and I took Tom Moody's spot and I walked out for Australia to bat and I was actually booed by the, by the Australian crowd. I, I know Adam Gilchrist and Ian Healy copped the both the same when, when they took Tim Zura's spot. Um, but it just got me, got me thinking about whenever we played a Sheffield Shield game there, there would probably only have been about 2,000 people at the ground, so it felt very bare. But sitting right in front of our change room every time was uh, Big Joe Angel's uncle, and he was a big farmer. And every time Joe Angel would get a wicket, he would turn around and the uncle would stand up and look at us in the box and he'd go, that's my brother's boy. <laughs> and this guy, it would, his big country booming farming voice would echo throughout the, the grandstand to the point where we said, we know it's your brother's boy. Sit down, you idiot. <laughs> but a, a fantastic place to play cricket. But, uh, yes, they do love their own over there, the West Australian. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Fantastic sponsors, Barclay, Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. And our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh, thank you. Back on board tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts, like Lunch with Lee. Former cricketer Shane Lee talks to celebrities, sports people, musicians, politicians, and more about sports, music, and business. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com. Afternoon sport.